Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the All Saints podcast. I have the distinct pleasure today of being able to talk with another minister in the CROC, a man who's been around in the denomination for a number of years, certainly longer than I've been serving in the denomination. Uh, this is Pastor Virgil Hurt of Providence Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Pastor Hurt, it is a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Glad to talk to you. Well, my aim here in uh, talking with you is, well, I've got several aims. First, it's just great for us as a uh, congregation here at All Saints to get a little bit more of a feel for what life is like in other churches in the denomination. So I'd love to ask you about that in a few minutes' time. Of course, we are in a denomination, and we have a number of new members here at All Saints who have come from other church backgrounds, Baptist church backgrounds, or other church backgrounds. So they might not even know what kind of a denomination the the CREC is. And you are in a unique position, as I'll explain, or maybe get you to explain in a few minutes, to uh, give us some thoughts on that. But before we get into that, I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about yourself. Tell us about your background, um, how you came to Christ, uh, your family, and uh, so we get to know you a little bit. Sure. Yeah, I was... Uh Raised in a non-Christian family, uh, my one of five children, uh, not a good home life at all. My oldest sister, when she was in high school, uh, became a Christian, and um, she doesn't even remember the exact details of how that came to pass. But through her, then the rest of us siblings heard the gospel. I went to the church with her as a, as a child and uh, was saved. And um, I think I went to several Keith Green concerts back in the day. Might have even <laughs> answered an altar call at a Keith Green concert. Um, wow, I remember Keith Green tapes. Yeah. My mum had those lying around when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that was the you know, sort of the beginning of the, uh, I don't know what you call it, the uh, contemporary Christian music or something like that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, they, uh, my sister moved away, and then I was uh, had – Kind of my rebellious days were in junior high school, and then in high school I settled down to being a serious Christian, and then my two brothers became a Christians uh, somewhere in there, as well as my younger sister, and so all of us have been serving the Lord these you know forty some odd That's years. Wonderful. That's wonderful. So your your big sister has a lot to answer for then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And um, so you're now um, pastor of uh, Providence Church in Lynchburg. Tell us a little bit about the, the church there and um, uh, what life is like and so on. Yeah, well, I came here in, the, in 2000. I was an elder out at Christ Church in Doug Wilson's church. I was, had been a deacon there and an elder studying for ministry. His brother lived here in Lynchburg, Virginia. We right. didn't know, we didn't know anything about the east, or uh, you know, it's, this is the east as well as the south. We didn't yeah. know anything about either place. We thought we'd probably end up in Boise, Idaho, or something. We, my wife and I, grew up in southern Idaho, hmm. and um, through a series of circumstances, uh, trials, really a bunch of trials, the, uh, the Lord prepared us to be ready to move away from there. We thought we'd be there forever, and. And then it, it came a time after a couple of real big difficulties where we really wanted to kind of move and start over. Mm. And it was just at that time that Doug's brother was becoming reformed in his theology. And I was studying um, for the ministry and, and Wilson, Doug Wilson asked me to come out here and plant a church. That's what we did. That was in 2000. There were no other members. It was us, Doug's brother and one other family. You were serious. So three families. 
three families, and I was full time. I was managing Kinko's Coffee Centers at the time, so I was managing full time, uh, busy job in a actually different town, commuting about an hour away, and uh, mm. did that for a while, and then was able to go full time at, at pastoring. And now I've been here 23 years. Um, yeah. Well, 22 years, right about now, 22 mm-hmm. years. And and the church is doing really well. And That's we've been great. here, you know, it's home now. Raised our yeah. kids, and then our kids grew up and moved away. But, <laughs> yeah. but we've been here a long time. But you've been, and it's interesting that, to talk about that background because um, the, the CREC has been wonderfully growing in recent years to the extent yeah. that we now have, a, a, I guess, a reasonable number of churches of a medium size, you know, a hundred and something plus. And it's easy to forget that many or all of those churches, almost all of them, began as very small groups of people, you know, right. uh, half a dozen families in a front room somewhere and yeah. so on. What kind of perspective does that history give you on church life, do you think, as a pastor? Well, I think all different perspectives. You know, I I referenced recently an article that I sent out to our denomination, the Tim Keller article, actually yeah, on yeah. Church, church growth and size. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of go through all these phases. And when you plant a church and it's just you and a, a few other people, yeah. it's really kind of a house church as much as anything. It's it, everything is around the pastor. And then as the church grows a little bit, uh, still the pastor is sort of responsible for everything. And then as you add deacons and elders, and there just to get, gets to be too many people and too much work for, for one man. And so you begin to spread that work out. And that's a really good thing, because now you have other men who are becoming capable at leadership and pastoring. You know, For instance, when I moved here, are the, are the first few people that, that, uh, that joined our church were Liberty students. They were right. several of them. I did their weddings. They were, it was even before they were married, a bunch of them. And they just kind of were going to a Bible study that uh, Gordon Wilson was doing. Yeah. Then they coming to the church. Those guys are all of our elders and deacons now. Now they're 40 right. years old. They're 41, 42 years old. They've been in our church mm-hmm. for 20 years. You know, they have grown children who are now going off to Liberty University and New St. Andrews College and they're, you know, leaders. And so we're able to develop them. And now, the church, you know, I still have a vital role, but it's not dependent upon me. You know, I could die. I almost did die a few years ago. And and, and the church would just sort of go merrily on. They'd probably be sad for a few days, but uh, it would all be fine. I think we might be sad for a bit longer than that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, but you raised that issue. And, and I asked you before we began talking just uh, on right. the recording here if, if, if we could talk about this. But you, you just said, uh, quote, I almost died a few years ago or worse yeah. to that effect. Um, right, yeah. Now, do you, do you want to talk? Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Because that's really a, just a wonderful story of God's grace. Yeah, right? yeah I'd, I'd be glad to. You know, what, what year did you come uh, over here, Steve? So I, I came over here in uh, late 2020. Uh, I'd been pastoring in the UK in a church that was um, closely associated with the CREC right. since 2009. So yeah, so you may even have heard about it then. I yeah. know you weren't here, but so many of our people who were in the CREC knew about this situation because so many people were praying for me and people all around the world with our churches all around the world. But I, I've been a healthy person all of my life. I've been a, a exerciser, lifting weights and running. And mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. of our my brothers, I was the healthiest probably of, right, of the right. three. Um, and at 53 years old, I had a massive heart attack and, and 
fell down and I didn't just have a heart attack that went into cardiac cardiac arrest. My heart stopped. I was, you know, essentially dead for about eight minutes. And uh, my neighbor uh, happened to be outside at just the right time. My wife was here, but she panicked and ran outside and nothing she could do for me. And my neighbor came into the house and, hmm. and uh, did uh, CPR, you know, on me until the, the ambulance was able to get here right. to shock my heart. Uh, back to back to life. Um, so uh, that was in 2018. So we're coming up on, I guess it's been four years now, and yes. I haven't really had any health problems since then, which is all quite amazing given what I went through. Generally, have pretty massive heart damage and maybe even some brain damage. Maybe there's some of that, but people won't tell that to me to my face. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, in my interactions with you, Pastor Hurd, I've not detected any uh, physical or mental impairment at all. And, and, and I'd love to move on to that because um, you, you have a, a role in the denomination um, that gives you a, a picture of the denomination that most of the rest of us don't see. So I wonder if you talk about that, just, just so uh, people know and so that you know what I'm alluding to, though I'm sure you do. Um, you are the presiding minister of council, which sounds like an extremely important and elevated role. So tell us what on earth that means. And in the process, tell us a bit about how the denomination works and so on and so forth. Right. So that's probably good, good to do. I'll try to do a really quick kind of hmm, overview, yeah. you know, because like you said, you you have a lot of new people in your church. Right, right. Uh, and so we, most of them coming from Baptist backgrounds. So they're not familiar with Presbyterianism even. Sure. And so, and we're kind of a hybrid Presbyterian slash kind of congregational, if you will, I think, in our polity in the sense that we're Presbyterian in form in our local churches. They have elders uh, that rule as a session of elders. But then our we do have presbyteries that is the group of churches in a geographic region, and each of them has a presiding minister that oversees their presbytery. But the churches are still you know, pretty independent, but uh, there, there is a, uh, an, an oversight of the churches via presbytery. And then we have um, seven presbyteries uh, around the world, and um, uh, most of them in the, in the United States, one that's mostly in Eastern Europe. Uh, but we have churches in Japan and in South America and Canada as well. And uh, the presiding minister of council oversees the presbyteries, if you will. And it's at council meeting is the place where you could change things like uh, governing documents, constitutions, those kinds of things. So the council right. oversees that. So right. my role is to help uh, oversee that, to make sure the presbyteries are doing what they're doing, that the presiding ministers know, you know, mm -hmm. keeping up on their churches and planning their meetings and yeah. giving s some level of, of, of vision and oversight um yeah just to, to some degree you know trying to encourage us to continue on continue to grow and, and be positive about what god is yeah. doing in our midst yeah well it's not difficult to be positive right now i mean it's been a wonderful few years and you know in the sense we've had uh, a terrible uh, time uh, along with most of the rest of the, the western world and the, indeed the eastern world with covid and so on but right. in various ways by god's grace we've um seem to have come out the other side as a denomination uh, yeah. looking in reasonably good shape. Do you have any thoughts about what's going on there and, and, and what, uh, yeah. what 
position we were in or are in as a denomination to uh, continue to serve Christ and people faithfully and well? Yeah, uh, well, one thing that's kind of become a mantra for us here locally, and it's certainly true of the CREC, is that COVID has been very good to us. Um, so we're, we're, we're very pleased with how, not just how we've survived, um, in a sense, this, this external threat that we thought was at first was a, a big health threat and then later turned out to be some level of a big government threat and um, sort of, uh, you know, helping us figure out what's important, you know, our right. priorities and, and even how to deal with governments and mandates and all those kinds of things. So that's been really healthy. But our, our denomination because of that, because of sort of the external threat, not just of the disease, but the threat to the church of governments and other kinds of medical, you know, decisions that were made that were outside of our control, really helped unify us and helped us reprioritize on gospel, worship, family life, the sorts of things, education, the sorts of things that we're sort of no, known for. Yes, and it, yeah. And, and that also helped us internally within the CREC to be like-minded, to be, have a lot of peace, I think a lot more trust and encouragement internally in our denomination across the country and across the world. So it, it's really been a really good time for us. And one of the results of that, I think, has been the growth of the CREC. You know, one of the things that I've seen historically is, for instance, in a local church when elders are at odds or the session, is kind of a mess because the elders are at odds with each other. Even if they don't go public with that and the church doesn't know, the church suffers greatly. Yes, and, the, yes. and the church, they know, even if they don't know, it's kind of like if mom and dad are at odds. Right, right. The yeah. kids know something's wrong in the home. There's something, something in the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. And so our denomination has been, I think, like that to some degree. This has created a lot of unity among the leadership mm. of the CRC. Which you know, even talk you know, a little earlier we use the word being positive. Yeah. I think our men are very positive about what God is doing in our churches individually. They're growing, and denominationally, um, the the denomination is growing. There's a lot of interest from the outside, from Baptist circles yeah. and yeah. other places, yeah. uh, and and a lot of those people are coming in our church. I just did the numbers because I'm going to do our state of the church. Yeah. Um, uh, sermon next month. I always do in yes. January, and I always kind of report our new members and our growth. We added 110 members this year. Wow! And wow. for our, that's at a church that was like at 230 or so. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that puts us well. We must have been around 240. So we're about 350 or something like that. Well, that's a lot of growth yeah. in yeah. one year for a church our size. Mm -hmm. Almost all of those people came to us directly from Baptist churches. Right. 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 And that's 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 very different than what we've seen in the past you know, mm. ten years. They're really excited about what's going on. They're excited about you know faithful preaching, worship. They're embracing you know covenant theology. Yeah, a lot of yeah. them didn't know that much about it, but they're they're loving it and are excited about it. So, lot of, lots of good energy right now. Mm -hmm. And just um, thinking about where that growth is coming from, and that, like you said, it's a it's a somewhat new. Um, phenomenon, although it's not been entirely unknown in the past. Do you think there are theological factors at play? Do you think this, we, we'd all like to believe it's the intrinsic 
cogency and persuasiveness of paedo-baptist covenant right. theology yeah. but, uh, do you think there are wider cultural factors which are, are leading yeah. people to try and find a home in the crc i, I do i uh it's not it's not paedo-baptism i i think paedo-baptism and our worship mm. our baptism our view of god's view of children that isn't what's bringing people but it is what keeps people right okay so, so they come and then they hear those things and they see it in action and it's so beautiful and they love it. And then they really jump in. Mm -hmm. they're, they're coming for a few reasons. Um, one of them is just this big demographic move we're seeing all around the country where people are moving from blue states to red states. And locally, they're sort of moving from churches that are going blue, if you will. Right. Uh, they're not yeah. really liberals or leftists, but they're they're soft Right. on gospel they're soft on the woke stuff and those kind of things yeah. or they're either soft or the the conservatives in their church feel like they're going the wrong yes. direction yeah there isn't such a clearly defined yes. line in the sand being drawn yeah exactly and then when they come to our churches they there's clarity right 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 and they really like that clarity i i you know we're open uh to people we're friendly mm. And but I, I also think one of our persuasive um, place, you know, a, a powerfully persuasive place that we have is we know who we are. We know what we believe. Yeah. Yeah. And so, for instance, we're not threatened by Baptists coming to our churches. And, right. they're, you know, we know if they're willing to come and fellowship with us, right. we know yeah. where they're kind of going, what direction they're going. Yeah. So we're glad to have them here. Exactly. Yeah. We want them to be true to their conscience. Mm -hmm. You know, we know. um uh, we're not forcing you to be paedo baptist or paedo communion, yes, yes. but I'm I'm amazed at how quickly people go down that path when they come to our church. And many of these yeah. people are. It's not that they're wishy washy Christians and just believe what the whatever the pastor says. These are pretty strong, theologically astute Christians that are coming to our churches, mm -hmm. but they see the arguments clearly and quickly, and they say, "Yep." And your point, um, it's not just the arguments that they see. They see the actual community being lived out, right? There's, yes. there's, there's a kind of community life that is the inevitable correlate of rightly ordered worship that includes children at all the right yes. places. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's right. And, and it, it's one of those things that it's bittersweet, isn't it? When we see, back to your previous point, it's bittersweet to see formally strong conservative denominations whether presbyterian or baptist churches um that are not uh drawing the lines as firmly and clearly as perhaps um some in those contexts would like to see right. them drawn um yeah I, I find myself torn in two directions honestly because on the one hand we all realize the need to make those clear statements and to say no when no needs to be said but all of us would rather be talking about anything else, <laughs> like right. you know, Christian family life and and um, working hard in in the secular workplace and living lives of godliness and faithfulness and worship and all those things. And it, yeah. it, it does drive me slightly nuts to have to keep addressing this kind of um, secularist elephant in right. the room. But like, we've just got to do it, right? It's just we've got to define yeah. ourselves positively and against the negative background. Yeah, you know, and I, I do think. When we come to our churches, those things are clear. You know, it's not like, at least in our church, we don't spend a lot of time talking about those right. lines. Yeah. 
but they're clear. So when people yes. come, yeah. if they ask, they get a really clear answer. But it's not it's not really our, the topic of our conversation. Right, right, right. Uh, because and I think that's part of feeling comfortable in your own skin is is we know what we believe. We're we're not uh, we're not going to compromise on those kinds of things. Yeah. And so because of that, we don't really have to be defending ourselves all the right, time. Right, exactly. And it's neither apologizing or being bombastic, just kind of articulate the truth and live it out and yeah. be ready to draw the line. Yeah, no, I like that. So, and listen, I'm conscious you've got a lot on and I don't want to keep you any longer than you may have tacitly thought you were agreeing to. So um, I want to ask you about two more things. Um, sure. In a moment, I want to ask you some things we can pray for, for you and your church and your ministry as PM of council. But before we do that, just say a word to us briefly on this growth of the denomination issue about yeah. the international scene. Um, yeah. You mentioned already we do have some churches overseas, and the folks here at All Saints will know about that. We we pray for uh, CRC churches overseas. We have close links with one or two of them. Is there anything you can tell us about the uh, uh, interest in and the growth of our denomination uh, among believers and churches overseas? Uh, well, it, it's starting. It, there is interest. We mm. see interest. We see some people finding us. Um, you know, the, the, a group of fellows found us in the Philippines, and yeah. I went over there in, in 2020 and got to meet these guys. And it's a pretty amazing group of men who are going down this reform path. I mean, they're solidly reformed guys now and have a really potential big impact in the Philippines. And yes. uh, they're really sharp men, but they also see the the stability that we have, the structure we have, and we're still a pretty young denomination, but we're way ahead of them. Right. And they see that and want that kind of stability. So that's a good opportunity. Uh, of course, we have the Eastern European churches uh, in Poland and Ukraine, and, and there's those continue to grow. And so there's some difficult work there. But mm -hmm. recently, I, I get emails almost every day from people <laughs> in the United States, from people in the United States right. saying, we live so and so. Are you guys going to plan a CRC church? <laughs> Almost every day I get an email like that. And, and the answer and is, I, yeah, eventually, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so I usually just forward it to the presiding minister that covers that area and say, hey, maybe this, they have some context up. for you. Some of those have formed up into potential churches. Right. That's but now exactly. I'm starting to get some of those even from international people. So the last couple of days I got a couple of emails from some guys in Norway oh, wow. that are looking to. Uh, they're they're reformed. There's no reformed works there. They found us online. They're listening to you know Douglas Wilson and the can the Canon app has become a huge yeah that's becoming thing. Isn't it? Yeah, a yeah. lot of people listening to that and they're you know our denomination has about I think about twelve thousand or thirteen thousand people total, and the Canon app though is reaching more like. 50, 40, 50,000 people. Right, right. So that's a that's a potential large number of people who are being trained, not just in reformed thinking, but yeah. really kind of CREC-mindedness. Yes. So yes. I think that's going to open up a big thing. Anyway, back to international. I, yeah. That's going to continue to grow. Um, the interest there, those are difficult relationships just uh, to develop because yeah. – Course. The travel, relationships, language, all those kinds of things make it really hard work, but it's worthwhile to, yeah, to pursue. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, hey, listen, um, before we go then, the final thing, um, some things that we can pray for for you. Um, we thank God that you're still alive and looking pretty energetic and serving faithfully uh, for you and your family, uh, for your church, and f your work as PM of the wider denomination. Yeah. 
Well, my family, there's a lot going on. So this week, uh, well, what's today? Tuesday. Tuesday. My son, uh, my I have six children and Great. eight grandchildren. And my youngest son is getting married on Saturday. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And, um, my, thank you. My top four are all married. And then my, my daughter uh, is also bringing a bow out here. So she's got a serious suitor. So we might be having, uh, Lord will, well, another wedding there in, in the near future as well. So... Um, we're entering into the full-blown uh, empty nester stage in, in our lives, mm. um, but our church is growing rapidly. The denomination is growing. There's lots of work to do, right. and I have one more year as the presiding minister of council. Uh, our next year's council is our 25th anniversary of the CREC. Wow. That's exciting. So that's going to be a really big deal, and we're going to have a, a, a really big event, and so just pray that uh, I'm diligent in, in our own church and the work mm. that we have here and, and then pursuing, helping to set the CREC up. I think the next presiding minister is going to be really busy. And I think that in the next three <laughs> years or six years, he's going to have a, 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 a lots on his plate and um, mm. it's very good. So pray that I hand that off well to him and the yeah, Lord continues yeah. to keep us unified uh, as a denomination and uses us, you know, far beyond our size. I think he is using us far beyond yeah. our size, and I hope that continues. That's so. fantastic. Well, hey, listen, thank you very much for your time. On behalf of the congregation here, thank you for your service and for. I, I, I have some idea, having talked to our presiding minister of presbytery, uh, Pastor Randy Booth in Nacogdoches, I have some idea how many hours in the week um, it takes to do the extra work that you commit to as PM of council, but I can't imagine the, um, the background mental drain and all the um, unwanted little snippets of 20 minutes here and there. So uh, thank you for all you do. We get to see the fruit of it around us here. Um, and of course we're all striving to serve Christ and, but we're part of something bigger than us. And um, right. it's a real blessing um, for me as a pastor. And I know for the congregation here, even though we might not even realize it at times, um, uh, it's great for us to hear of so that we can acknowledge uh, these larger structures within which we've been placed by the Lord and for which we thank him. So yeah. thank you, sir, for your time yeah, and for yeah. your ministry. The Lord bless you. Yeah. And Good talking to you. The Lord blesses you and, and, and the congregation there. And uh, hopefully I'll get down to Texas and see you all oh, yeah. sometime. When, when, whenever you get down here, please look us up. It'd be great to see you. God bless. I can tell you, you're really right. developing a, a, a southern Texas accent there. So Me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the chance would be a fine thing. I don't think so. All right. <laughs> All right. God bless. Bye for now. <laughs>